Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 1 Samuel chapter 3. How many of you love God's Word? You appreciate it. You're thankful for it. You know that you can trust your life to its provisions. Amen. God's words are life unto them that find them and health unto all their flesh. God's word will not return to him void. It will accomplish the purpose of his will. It will prosper in the thing whereunto he sent it. He sent his word. He healed us and delivered us from all of our afflictions. His word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Amen. So many good things we can say about God's holy word. They are spirit and they are life. They provide spirit life for us. So many things, beautiful things. He's exalted his word above his name. His word is forever established in heaven. We can believe in God's word. We can trust in God's word. We can know that the word of God is honored, highly esteemed, to be dependent upon. And so we're thankful for it. Now let's once again reiterate the fact that when we gather together like this for a worship service, we don't have outlined for us any instruction when it comes to conducting a spiritual service of worship. We know that through tradition and religion that we've been accustomed to entering into worship and praise and and doing that at the beginning of a service and then having the teaching of God's Word and then closing out the service and that sort of thing. But we don't really have anything in the Word that teaches us and says this is exactly how you should do it. How many of you know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? When people enter into a condition or a state of being where they become ritualistic or mechanical in what they're doing, it's necessary that change take place, to get us out of that rut. Get out of that rut of ritualism and being mechanical in the things that we're doing. And you find out that unless people are open to that kind of change, they'll just stay mechanical and ritualistic. Not only when it comes to their life of praise and worship, but also when it comes to their life of faith. I found out that through the teaching of God's Word along the lines of worship and praise, that faith has come to people's hearts. Faith has come. And because faith has come to the heart, then when people enter into worship and praise, they do so in faith. If you talk about it, then faith comes. Because faith comes from here. If you don't talk about it as much, then you're not going to have faith behind what you're doing. If it's worship, praise, or anything else, prayer, or whatever. So we have to constantly keep preaching and teaching God's Word with regard to all these 
areas of life and, and, and of ministry if we're going to be in faith in what we're doing. I have recognized and witnessed a greater manifestation of God's glory and power in our worship and praise service due to the fact that we've talked about worship and praise and faith has come to the believer's heart. And we have left that realm of ritualism and being mechanical in it and we're entering into a place of reality with God. Because you see, our hearts are becoming involved in what we're doing. And that's what the Christian experience in life is all about, isn't it? It is a matter of the heart. It is a matter of the spirit of man. And when our heart is actively involved in what we are doing in God, then we can expect reality with God. And so I delight in that. I'm thankful for that. People have responded. People are becoming more reverent. They are giving their undivided attention to Him. They're beginning to participate and cooperate when we gather ourselves together. And that's what it's all about. We need to do that. And if we'll continue to do that, I believe that God has for us, is in store for us great and mighty things. And I believe we'll just get deeper and deeper and deeper into our reality with God. And the result will just be tremendous in the lives of people. It's just like prayer. The Bible teaches us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In the Amplified Bible it says, the continued heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. In other words, we create that habitation for God and the power of God is right there. It's available, just like a, a dynamo, just powerful, ready, active. It's alive. It's there, energized. It's all there, generated, dynamic in its working, ready to be used so that the people of God can draw from that source of strength and energy and have their needs met by the power of God. It's obvious that we have to generate that power before we can use it. Isn't that right? It has to be generated before we can use it. And so we're learning how to do that more accurately in our worship and praise services. But it's also true with regard to our lives of faith. Faith. The just shall live by faith. Our lives of faith also can become mechanical and ritualistic if we're not constantly looking into what the Word of God has to say about certain things. And this is the reason for us going over subjects of the, of the Bible continuously. Over and over and over and over again. We talk about healing. We talk about prayer, intercession. We talk about the, the married life, the family. We talk about all the things that God's Word teaches us with regard to our lives. Why? So that we can avoid becoming mechanical and ritualistic and we can stay in that realm of faith where our heart is involved in what we're doing. We're not mechanical. We're not just echoing somebody else. But we have what the Word of God says in our hearts and it becomes a vital reality within our lives. And we live by it. We experience reality with God in it. So we have to constantly go over what the Word of God says about different subjects. This morning I am led of the Lord to talk about developing our spiritual sensitivity. I expect that through preaching along these lines, faith will come to the heart of the believer 
and it will prevent us from being mechanical and ritualistic in our spiritual lives. It will also enable us to experience reality in this all-important area of life. Faith will come to our hearts. We'll experience reality in this all-important area. I want to read to you, first of all, from 1 Samuel chapter 3, and then begin. Verse 1 says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I. For thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And he called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that, he, that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went to lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Father, we thank you for your holy written word, knowing that we can trust our lives to its provisions. I thank you for attentive ears, for open minds and receptive hearts. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth. I believe, dear Father God, we are doers of your word and not hearers only. We give you the glory for all that's accomplished by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I talk about what has been written here, I want to share with you an experience, quite an experience that we went through this past week, a week ago yesterday. I was in the basement of our home repairing, really changing a wire or the cord on our electric range. And, of course, I had to go back and forth to the store to get uh, the parts that I had needed. And so I got this cord. I went to put it on the, the oven, and I did exchange it. I changed it, but it wasn't long enough. I thought I could move it closer. It was downstairs, move it closer to the 220 line, the outlet, and I'd be able to plug it in. Well, I found out that it wasn't. There was no way I could arrange the things, and they, of course, they didn't make the cord any longer. It was, it was, it was as, as long as they make it. Would have had to make it my own. But to make it short, uh, all of a sudden I hear my son BJ screaming as I was back there doing some work, and he's screaming, saying that the car ran over me. And so, of course, I went running out, and uh, to just to find out that our other son, I won't mention his name, got behind the wheel of the car. They were waiting for me. We were going to go back up to the store to, once again, take this plug back and see what we can do, you know, make something else up. And, of course, when I bought the car, I never realized the fact that 
that particular make of car that you can, it's on the floor, the gear shift is on the floor, and even though it's in park and there's no key in there, you can just go in there and just put it right in gear. Just put it in neutral. Of course, since that time we've found out, <laughs> you know, that you can do that on that particular model of car and many other cars. And I didn't realize that I, when I bought it, I didn't even think that you can possibly take it out of park without a key. But you can't. And so he sat down in the driver's seat and just proceeded to put it in neutral. And, of course, our driveway is on a hill, and the car just began to roll down the hill, went across the street into the neighbor's yard, and the first impact, it hit a tree. The tree slowed the car down just enough that the boys had a presence of mind to jump out of the car. And they jumped out of the car. Both of them jumped out of the car, out of one side of the car, and the car then continued to go down about a 100 foot that way, you know, about a 45-degree angle. And was absolutely total when it hit the tree at the end of the neighbor's property. And of course, that's when BJ came running in saying that the car, actually the car door hit him in the back of the leg, but the, both boys are absolutely fine. There's not a problem. But what I wanted to get to, and I didn't even share this with my wife as of yet, when I knelt down behind that oven to, to make, you know, to, 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 to get the cord, which was already taken off, I proceeded to put on the other cord, put it back on, that I had a gut feeling inside me, inside my, just, just a gut feeling that I had. It's hard to describe or explain that, but I had a gut feeling, and just for a flash, like, oh my goodness, just an atomic moment, just a, just a, like a twinkling of an eye, just like a flash, like, I told the boys that I'm going to be going to the store and they're going to come with me, that they may have been in a car. And it's hard to describe or to explain, but I, as, as I went back there and I knelt back there, I just dismissed it. Very quickly, because I was, you know, just uh, busy in what I was doing. And I figured, well, it'll just take me just another second here, then I just go out there and we'll all go up to the store. And because I dismissed it so quickly with inside my spirit, because I allowed my thinking, once again, just to go back into what I was doing, I didn't respond to what now I know to be God, by His Spirit, trying to enlighten me, to direct me, to warn me about what was about to take place. We call that spiritual insensitivity. Not being as sensitive to what God is trying to get across to us as we need to be. Not being as sensitive to what He is saying to us, whether it be to warn us, to direct us, to lead us, to guide us. You know, and we're quick to talk about all the times that we have done right. You know, we've obeyed God. We've listened to what God has spoken or we've listened to what God has said. And sometimes it's hard to talk about the times that we've missed God. But, you know, we need to learn from those experiences also. That if we're not sensitive to what God is saying to us, even though He may be endeavoring to warn us, to instruct us, to lead us, to guide us, to tell us certain things, he can't get his message across to us. He can't get it over to us. And you see, because we are more prone to be body and soul minded, very often we'll just go ahead and dismiss certain things that are spiritual, certain things that God is endeavoring to say to us, to get across to us, dismiss those things as being, well, that was just me, or that may have been something else or someone else, when it really wasn't just me. It was a witness that was coming to my spirit. It was God attempting in every way that He possibly can to get a message to my spirit. Had I responded at that particular moment 
You see, had I known as if someone would have walked in the room and said, you know, Jason is just about to put that car in gear and it's going to go back down the driveway and it's going to get totaled and their lives will be in danger. Had I known that, of course, I'd have stopped immediately and went run into the driveway and, and prevented that from happening. But because our contact with God is spiritual and because our spirit man can only be sensitive according to its development, Many times we get caught up in the affairs of life and the activities of life that are genuine and bona fide. That we just go ahead and dismiss those things and other things occur. Now, a tragedy, of course, could have occurred. And I believe that that was the father's plan A. Now, of course, because I was involved in what I was doing and did not respond as I should have, I believe he went into plan B. And plan B picks up here where in asking the boys, you know, now what exactly had happened? And BJ just told me that, um, well, Dad, I, we were waiting for you and I was in the front seat on the passenger side and the door was wide open. I said, it was. He said, yes. I said, well, then how did you get out of the car? He says, well, the door never shut. Now, you have to realize this. I, oh, I grease those doors because I don't like them when they squeak. And... We're on such an incline on our hill. It's just, it's just the driveway. It's not a whole lot, but it's enough so that if you if you put the door open and just bounce the car just a little bit, the door just shuts automatically. It's just that way. Sometimes if you, if you have groceries and you're trying to get out of the car, the car door is wide open. You know, by the time you get with your arms with the groceries, the door's smacking you. You know. Sometimes if you open it and you think it's staying open and you bend over to get to look inside, pow! It gets you and knocks you inside. You know what I'm saying? You've been there before, haven't you? So you know what I'm talking about. Well, and that's how the car doors are on that car were. They're not like that anymore, but that's how they were. <laughs> and the car backed down, and it must have been 50, at least 50 feet, and it backed into that tree, that first tree. And I mean, smack! It, the you know back fender's gone just by hitting that tree. Well, the impact didn't even make the door shut. He said, "Daddy, the door stayed open the whole time." And he bailed out from the passenger side. Jason jumped over the gear shift and everything. He bailed out as quickly as he could. And they both said, but the door just stayed open. I said, well, thank the Lord for that. I really believe God's got to go into plan B and plan C. And he's got to do this all while it's happening. You something think about that? Why? Because we're insensitive a lot of times to what he is saying. We're insensitive to his direction and instruction. You know, we're spirit beings. Our spirit man must be developed. Spiritual things are real, but they can be indistinct to us if we're not aware of the ways that God endeavors to speak to us, give us guidance, and also warn us with regard to the affairs of life. Just like Paul, when they're about to set sail, he perceived inside his spirit. Now, once again, some another individual might say, I'm not going to stand up from this pulpit and say, well, that was God just doing something. God does not endanger my children's lives. That is not a work of God. And actually, I'm not going to stand and say, well, the devil did it. Well, actually, Jason's not the devil. He just was disobedient. That's all. You know. No, it's just, it, that's what he did and that's what had happened. So, we, we don't give any glory to the devil. And, and, of course, we're not trying to misrepresent God or produce an improper concept or image of God. God did his part in giving me a warning. Had I responded to that warning immediately, that could have been prevented. 
But because I was involved in what I was doing, I was insensitive to what he was trying to say to me and I dismissed it as being maybe it's just something that I thought up on my own to run out there and see what the kids are doing. But then again, he goes into plan B and thank God that the door stayed open and and they had the presence of mind to jump out of that car and their bodies are safe. We thank God for that. We rejoice in that, you know. And uh, of course, you can replace a car. You can't replace your children's lives. And so we're thankful for that. But it really spoke to my heart and I, and I said, well, now, Lord, it's just, it, it, we need to be sensitive, not just when we're in church, not just when we're there praying, but we need to be sensitive even though we are actively involved in other things within our lives. Sometimes I think we just, you know, just kind of set him back there because I've got to get this task done. I've got to get this job done. And we don't realize that he wants to be involved in our lives continuously, constantly, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we need to be aware of those things and, and open to those things. Well, that's true in every person's life. You know, how many of you have ever done that? Am I the only one that ever did something like that, that you were insensitive to what God was saying? Have you ever done that? Raise your hand if you've missed God. And you knew you absolutely missed God. Now, if you never missed Him, I, t- I just praise God for your life. Come on up here and tell us about it. You know, if you've never missed it, if you've never missed God. Well, see, I see that same thing right over here. Now, God began to speak to Samuel, but Samuel was taught only in worshiping God. The Bible says he ministered to the Lord. Now, we've been talking about that. I believe we've been doing a good job of entering into that realm of ministering to the Lord. We've done that. You know, we are doing that and we're we're growing in it and it's having a positive effect upon all of our lives. I believe that. But I want you to notice this. But Samuel was not instructed or taught in being sensitive to the voice of God. We can enter into that realm and realize His manifest presence and yet still be insensitive when He begins to speak to our hearts because that's a different development. Do you see that? We can, through worship and praise and through ministering unto the Lord, realize His tangible manifest presence in our prayer life as we worship together here, but still be insensitive to His voice and not really be instructed properly or taught when it comes to hearing accurately what He has to say to us. And so for that purpose, we want to now shift over into this gear and now talk about what do we do when we have the manifest presence of God here within our midst? Where do we go from there? We have to be taught along those lines and we have to learn to become sensitive to what God is then saying to us. So you see, beloved, it's not enough then just having that power generated. Then we must appropriate that power in different ways. It's the grace of God in manifestation that is channeled in different ways to produce different results in all of our lives. It can be someone who needs saved. The power is here. The person is saved. Someone needs healed. The power is healed. It's here. It's channeled. The person is healed. Someone needs delivered in their minds. The power is here. It's generated. Now, it's now applied to that person's area of life. His mind. And his mind is delivered and he is set free. It can be somebody who's in need of financial assistance. Okay, we take the power of God that's generated, which is the grace of God in manifestation. And what happens? It's channeled in that area of that person's life. And that person is helped by the power of God in his financial affairs. So that's the grace of God flowing out in different directions as rivers of life and of love and of healing and deliverance. To do what? To accomplish the purpose of his will in the lives of his people. And what all important areas right here in this area of learning how to develop spiritual sensitivity. Developing spiritual sensitivity. 
Now, I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to 1 Kings chapter 19. It's not too far away. 1 Kings chapter 19. And let's just take a look at how sometimes we're just like Samuel. Samuel ministered to the Lord. He was in the presence of the Lord. I mean, the Ark of the Covenant was right there. But when the Lord began to speak to him, he right away responded in the natural. He went to Eli. What did you say? Did you say something? I remember the time the Lord spoke to me on the way down here on Route 11 and spoke to me and said, you'd be the next pastor of that church. You know, I'm looking over my wife. Did you hear that? It was so real in that realm. I thought it was something that was, you know, that she can hear also it was in the natural world, in the natural realm. Responding in a natural way. Samuel responded in a natural way. Eli, did you say something? Did you call me? And Eli said no. And he wasn't at that particular point even aware of the fact that God was speaking to Samuel himself. Until the second time, the third time, and then finally the fourth time he answered. Sometimes we think that if it's God, it has to be loud and distinct out here in the natural realm. Or God has got to send fire out of heaven or a strong wind or an earthquake to get our attention. And for the most part, let's just face it. Practically, that's what is needed. Moses needed the fire. And he got it. But you see, we can't always expect that to take place. We can't expect there to be an earthquake or a fire or a strong wind to get a hold of our attention. We have to develop spiritual sensitivity to the voice of God, to the things of God, so that when He is, of course, manifesting Himself in our lives in a positive, powerful, tangible way, we respond to what He is saying, to His instruction, so that we can not only be directed and guided, but in times like this, we can avert tragedy. We can avert problems and situations that would produce tragedy within our lives. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, And He came thither... Unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains. And breaking in pieces, and breaking pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord, now underline this, was not in the wind. There was a manifestation, you see, of God's presence. A strong wind that broke up the rocks. But God was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. Just like over there when Paul and Silas were in jail. The manifest presence of God may have caused an earthquake. He wasn't in the earthquake. He was inhabiting their praises. You see that? And very often that's exactly what we're looking for when we want God to direct us, to guide us, or to lead us, or to warn us. We want something out here that is tangible. We want to know beyond the shadow of a doubt. Man, if I just saw the earthquake right now, I'd know that was God speaking to me. 
Or if there was a fire like in the burning bush, I would know that that was God speaking to me. Or if it was like as of the days of Pentecost, a rushing mighty wind coming and filling the place, I would know that it's God speaking unto me. But the scripture says, well, God wasn't in any of that. He was in the still small voice. And beloved, that's exactly where he's at. He's in the still small voice. You young people that are graduating from high school, this is very important to you. You need to learn, we all need to learn to develop spiritual sensitivity to the voice of the Lord so that He can direct us in all the affairs of our lives. You need to make certain direct, uh, steps, in, decisions in your life to take certain steps and, and directions. It's all important that, and primary, of primary importance that we learn how to hear what God is saying to us. Not just in the written word, because we know that His word is His primary voice to us. But also, when it comes to our individual lives, it's not written that you should be the next pastor at the Midland Church. It's not written that you should go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's not written that you should marry so-and-so or whatever. We need to be aware of what God is speaking to us as individuals. And that comes through intimacy of fellowship with Him and developing a spiritual sensitivity to His voice to the way He leads us, directs us, and guides us so that we can take the proper steps that He has ordered for our lives or so that we can be warned in the times of danger and adversity. Paul would have never gone on that ship because in his spirit he perceived, he was sensitive, and he had that perception that there was danger. He was forced out there. And look at the thing that happened. Look what took place. If he wasn't on that ship... There would have been a report that the ship went down and everyone was lost. Every life was lost. But because Paul was there, God's grace was upon him. The same thing is true in all of our lives. A lot of things stepping out beyond what God would have us to do. Not being aware of what His direction is for our lives because of spiritual insensitivity. And God is saying to us, He wants us not only to be aware of the fact that His presence is manifested among us, but He wants us also to be sensitive to what He is saying to us individually in our lives. He cares about every area of our lives. He cares about all that we set our hand to do. He cares about who we marry. He cares about our children. He cares about our family lives. He cares about everything that we touch in life. And He wants to direct us. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He knows when there's danger out there somewhere. And I, I truly believe this, beloved. I know that there will be those who will be out there who will say, well, I just can't buy that. I can't believe that. But, beloved, I truly believe that God is always speaking to His children. The Father is always endeavoring to get His message of personal deliverance, guidance, and direction to every child of God's life. Even at times when when it ended up in tragedy and that sort of thing, I strongly believe, my spirit man tells me, that God the Father by His Spirit was attempting to get a hold of that person's life to warn that person of that danger. You say, how can you believe that? Because He's a Father. That's why. And He can see what's happening. And any father who loves a ch his child who can see what's about to happen instinctively cries out, warning, 
As a parent, don't you do that? When you see your child about to take a step that you know will endanger his or her life, whatever the area of life may be, you begin to speak out. That may not always be received, but you begin to speak out that warning because you love that child. I believe that the Father is always speaking by His Spirit, always trying, endeavoring to witness to the Spirit of His children what things are about to happen, what things we can prevent from happening, what step we should take, what step we shouldn't take, which way we should go, which way we shouldn't go. But it's because we are more prone to be body conscious and mind conscious and caught up in the affairs of our lives and the activity of our lives without developing this spiritual sensitivity to the voice of God that we don't hear what He's trying to say to us. And then obviously we don't respond to what He's trying to say to us. And once again, we're not saying that this is an easy matter, beloved. It's something that requires diligence on the part of the believer. And no one is exempt. The greatest of all men of God have made many mistakes and missed God along the way. And we don't judge people and criticize and ridicule people for that or say that they've never heard from God. No, it's just that at that particular time, we just were not conscious or aware of what God was saying to us or we dismissed it as being something that was out here in the natural or something that I was thinking up on my own. It is of utmost importance, beloved, that we recognize and realize that God is in the still, small voice. He endeavors to witness to our spirits what is right, what is wrong, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, when danger is out there, how to avert it, how to avoid it, and and all that. We need to develop that in all of our lives so that we can have success in life and experience this kind of reality with God. And I really believe that this is what He's leading us into also out of this worship and praise life, is that now, look, my manifested presence is right there. You know it's in you. You know it's right there with you. Now, I want you to develop this intimacy with me, this sensitivity to me, to my spirit, to what I'm saying, to what I'm doing in your life, so that you can be aware of certain things that are out there. Doesn't the Bible teach us that it's the Holy Spirit that reveals to us things to come, guides us in the affairs of life and all the truth, reveals to us certain things certain events that are about to take place in life. Absolutely, that's a part of His ministry. And it's important that we develop it, every single one of us. And like I said, we're all going to make mistakes along the way, but I'll tell you what, we need to use diligence to enter into that realm of of experience because, once again, what if plan B also is aborted? doesn't work. See, things can happen, and we want to prevent those things from happening, don't we? We want to experience the best that God has for us in life. I'll tell you what, I do rejoice in this though. Every night when the children go to bed, we always say in your pathways life and there is no death. No weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment is condemned and shown to be in the wrong. Amen. You know, and it's important that we maintain that, that we confess God's word and set those laws in motion. How many of you believe in spiritual law? You believe in spiritual law? We believe in natural laws and we need to believe in spiritual law. And you know, the confession of our faith sets in motion spiritual law that sets in motion the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that keeps us free from the law of sin and death and protects us in these areas of life. So it's important that we, once again, continue to maintain a bold confession of what belongs to us in Christ and the things that we have that are ours as rights and privileges because we are children of God because we are heirs of God and joiners with Jesus and partakers of the covenant and the inheritance of the saints in life. 
So I thank God for that. Look at, if you would please, with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And let's just begin this study by, let's just say, uh, defining the different parts of man or discussing the three different parts of man. Because if we're going to develop spiritual sensitivity, then it's all important that we understand our makeup. Our tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. And we need to learn then by that how to develop the recreated human spirit so that at times like that or in times like this, we don't just dismiss lightly the things that God is trying to get across to us in our spirit. But we give a listening ear And we focus in on what he was saying. At least let's put it this way. At least we exercise ourselves and we in responding to what God is saying, just trying the spirits to see, to determine whether or not it's from God. What would it have hurt me? It would not have hurt me to run out there immediately to find out what was going on if there was a danger that was existing out there. Nothing at all. It would have taken a moment of my time that I could have come back in and finished. You know, then sometimes, you know, hindsight's always better than foresight. Sometimes then you, you walk out there and you might even question yourself. Well, I went out there. I may have seen Jason seated, seated in the driver's seat and said, now, Jason, get out of the car until daddy's ready to go. Both of you get out of the car until daddy's ready to go and walk back inside. And, of course, when nothing happens, then sometimes we, don't, we, we, we question ourselves, well, was that still God speaking to me? Was God still trying to get a message to me? Nothing happened, but I saw what the children were doing out there. Was that really God? Was that something that was miraculous? God intervening in that situation? Because we don't see the car go down, because we don't see the car get wrecked, because we don't see the children jump out of the car. That didn't occur. That didn't happen. That was averted. Sometimes we could think, well, that was certainly must, must not have been God. See, things, spiritual things are very hard to deal with sometimes. You can go along in your Christian life and think, God's not doing anything for me, yet He divinely led you to take this step, that step, this step, that step, that averted a lot of troubles and problems. And because all that happened, because you followed His leading and guidance for your life, seemingly there was no spiritual, spectacular spiritual activity occurring in your life. You know what I say about it? I'd rather never get sick to have to be healed. I'd rather never have to, to, to experience any kind of tragedy to know that, that God is at work, at work within my life actively. I don't want to do that. I would rather develop the sensitivity enough in the things of God to know that He is working and that His primary way of helping us is to instruct us, to lead us, to warn us, to direct us so that we can avert and prevent tragedies from happening or occurring within our lives. Wouldn't you rather have that kind of a Christian lifestyle? Or would you rather get hurt and then have to go to a hospital somewhere and then start believing God for a miracle to restore your bones or your health just to know that God is working in your life or that He can work to heal your body? I wouldn't rather have that. I'd rather just walk with God and just let Him lead me, direct me, guide me so that we can avert all that stuff, praise God, and still know He's working within our lives. Amen? That's what happened with the children of Israel. They didn't believe God was working until a miracle occurred. They had need of a miracle, then something took place. I'd rather not have need of a miracle, wouldn't you? Absolutely. 
This scripture here reveals to us the triunity of man. In verse 23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy, and I pray God your whole spirit. Say it with me, I am a spirit. Say it with me, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Say it again, I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Okay, God is a spirit being. God is in the spiritual realm. We've discussed that at length in our previous lessons. But we are spirit beings also. And our contact with Him is in the spirit realm. And we didn't make note of it if we haven't already. With our spirit, we contact God. Our spirit, we contact the spiritual realm. And and conscience is the voice of our spirit. With our spirit, we contact the spiritual realm, where God lives, and conscience is the voice of our spirit. With our soul, we contact the intellectual, emotional realm, and reason is the voice of our soul. Reason took over in my thinking faculties. Reason took over. This isn't going to take but but a minute more. Just a few more minutes here, and I'll have this work done. When reason takes over, we dismiss spiritual things. That's how we miss God many times. We reason things out within our mind. Reason, the voice of our emotion, the voice of the intellect, the voice of the soul, will, for the most part, always try to override the things of God, the Word of God, the instruction of God. And when that occurs, beloved, we can dismiss spiritual things, get out here into the intellectual realm where God does not exist. God doesn't live in that realm. He is a spirit. He's in the spiritual realm. Our contact with Him is with our spirit in the spiritual realm, not with our soul in the realm of reason. And because I allowed reason to take over, and I, I just rationalize it all away. Just let it all go. Slip right on by me. And we've all done that. But you see, we need to, to develop sensitivity so that we don't do that. Thirdly, our bodies is the physical part, of course, it contacts the, the physical realm. Our bodies, the, the third part, contacts the, the physical realm, which of course we all know that, and feeling is the voice of the body. Feeling is the voice of the body. And we know that because when we have pain within our body, we know that we hurt. But we also know that God is not in the physical realm and God does not directly contact us in the physical realm. And if we want healing for our body or deliverance for our body, it's got to come through the spirit and make its way into the physical body. God is not in the physical realm. And that's why a lot of people, many of us, always get confused when it comes to, I know the scripture says with the stripes I'm healed, but why do I have this pain within my body? The pain is there. That is a truth, but it's not the highest of truth. Feeling is the voice of the body. It is telling me something contrary to what the Word of God says about my condition. Now, it's a warning. It's an indicator that tells me I've got a problem in my physical body. But we have a higher truth in God's Word that must be spiritually discerned that reveals to me that with His stripes I am healed. Unless we can get the spirit to contact the physical, the pain will remain within the body. But if we can, through developing spiritual sensitivity to the things of God and setting in motion spiritual truth, 
then we can get the life of God that's in our spirit man where we contact Him to make its way through our soul into the body to deliver the physical body from that pain. But because the voice of feeling is so loud at times, we can't hear what God's Word has to say with regard to our physical condition. The pain speaks louder than what the Word speaks. Feeling is the voice of the body. It can speak louder than what the Word. Reason is the voice of the soul. It speaks louder at times than what the Word speaks to our hearts. And as long as that is taking place within our lives, can you see, can you see with me, beloved? We're prone to be more body conscious, prone to be more soul or emotional, intellectual conscious, and let feeling and reason dismiss the things of God. Take us right out of that place where God, where we contact God, and that rules or dominates our lives and holds our spirit man in bondage. Obviously, then we can see just just through this part of it right here, that developing our spiritual sensitivity, our recreated human spirit to contact the Father is of primary and of utmost importance in all of our lives. We, you see, God's Word on the page is not going to do us a whole lot of good. You understand that? It's God's Word in our hearts, our spirit man, becoming a living thing. Why do you think the psalmist said, quicken me according to your word? In other words, make that word a living reality within my makeup, spirit, soul, and body. Make it become life in me, reality in me. So that if the word says with his tribes, I'm healed, it is a reality in my life, spiritually, emotionally, as well as physically. You see that? That's what... We need to develop in all of our lives reality with God. And that's why we're t- taking this direction within our, in this ministry. We do not want to maintain being mechanical or ritualistic. We do not just want to quote the word or echo somebody else's confession of faith. Just speak a scripture without experiencing reality. Confess a truth that does not pertain to my life. We want to get a hold of what God's Word has to say, and we want it to become a living, vital reality in our lives, all of our lives. We want God's Word to be so real to us in our lives that we experience the fullness of the blessing that belongs to us through that Word, by that Word. We are quickened according to that Word. That Word is a living thing within us. When we praise God, we don't just say He inhabits our praises. His manifest presence is here in a tangible way. When we say with His stripes, we are healed, that power that is released in that Word fulfills or accomplishes the purpose of the Father's will. He sent it to us, and what does it do? It heals us. That's what we want. How many of you are there also? You want reality. You're tired of religion. You're tired of, of echoing somebody else's faith, copying what somebody else is doing. You want reality with God. You want the Scriptures to be alive in you. You want to experience intimacy with God in such a way, to such a degree, that these truths are realities within your life. Amen. And that's what it should be for all of us. We should all have that same heartfelt desire. Proverbs 20, 27 reveals another scripture with regard to the spirit of man that is essential to its development 
and to our developing spiritual sensitivity. And in Proverbs 20-27, the scripture says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Proverbs 20-27, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, or it's the light bulb or the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The belly, of course, talking about the spirit of man that's been recreated, the belly, the innermost part of man. His belly is his spirit. The spirit of man is the place where all the activity takes place. It is the place where God communicates with his children. It is a place where God's power is generated. It is the place where the, from which the forces of life are released. It is the place where our contact and communion with the Father begins. And then from that place, there is reality with God in the soulish and in the physical realm. It's essential that we understand this. It is the spirit of man that must be enlightened with the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. That allows the mind to be renewed and the body to be controlled or kept under or delivered or healed or whatever the case is. It starts in the spirit. If we need direction in our life, if we need guidance within our life, it takes place in the spirit of man. God does not directly contact our minds. He contacts our spirit man, which in in turn then contacts our minds. That's why you often hear me say the father will direct our spirit and illuminate our minds. He doesn't speak directly to our minds. He speaks to our heart, our spirit, in our belly. That's where the activity takes place. That's where the sensitivity must be. And see, if, if I was more sensitive to that indicator that was on the inside of my spirit, then I would have known that there was danger about, to, uh, there was a dangerous situation and tragedy was about to, to, to break loose. That's so and so important, my brother, and so important, my sister, that we give ourselves over unto this development of our spirit. But here we see that whether it's directing us, guiding us, God does not speak directly to our minds. It was a witness of the spirit that I had. And you know what happened? Reason took over. And when reason took over, which is the voice of the soul, and I tried to reason it out within my mind, I dismissed the spiritual And I listened to the emotional. And we saw the result. Another scripture is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. Talking about the human spirit, the spirit of a man. A very important scripture. In the Amplified Bible in particular, we have a better understanding, I think, of what it's saying. But in the the King James, it says, The spirit of man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Now, the same scripture in the Amplified Bible says, The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. And what it's actually saying is, God does not contact Usually, the physical body directly when it comes to producing healing and health inside that physical body. That God contacts the spirit of a man. 
And when that man's spirit is contacted by the power and the presence of God, it becomes strong. When the word finds its lodging within that spirit, when God baptizes that person by his spirit in the Holy Ghost, and that person is filled with the spirit, he has the word of God in his spirit with regard to healing and all that, then that spirit becomes strong in faith. And the strong spirit of a man will enable him to provide what is necessary. How? To overcome bodily pain or trouble. How? Out of the belly, out of the spirit flow, the Bible says, rivers of living water. The spirit man becomes strong in the things of God. And then there is an outflow of rivers of life, rivers of love, rivers of deliverance, rivers of healing, rivers of wisdom, rivers of might, rivers of ability flow out from the spirit of the man. And we call that the forces of life. Protect your heart, your spirit man diligently for out of it flow the issues of life. And then the strong spirit of a man enables healing Rivers of healing to flow out from the Spirit to do what? To provide what is necessary to take care of the physical trouble or the bodily pain. See, and once again, very often what we think is, let God contact my flesh and I'm going to be delivered. But that's not always the case. Excuse me. That's not always the case. It's not God coming into direct contact with the physical body that does it. It is God coming into contact with the spirit of that person and then the forces of life generating miracle working power begin to flow and then healing is the result in the physical body. Why do you think we have to say we've got to talk to these people about what the word of God says? The word does not directly heal the body. The word deals with the spirit of that person. And when the spirit of that person has been dealt with, the life of God, you see, begins to flow. That's why when a person is filled with the Holy Ghost, they generate more of that miracle working power through praying in the Holy Ghost with other tongues. And then the forces begin to flow. The forces begin to flow. And if they're kept flowing, they will flow until they accomplish the purpose of the Father's will in sustaining that person in bodily trouble or in pain. See, and that's what the Scripture is saying here about the spirit of man. So once again, we see the activity when it comes to healing also takes place in the spirit of the man. Let's look at another scripture in 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, with regard to the human spirit also. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20 reveals to us another truth regarding the function of the recreated human spirit. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 will read, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Once again, because of improper teaching, many people within the body of Christ have been taught that the Holy Ghost is the one who condemns us when we do wrong. Well, beloved, the Holy Ghost does not condemn us when we do wrong. As a matter of fact, in John sixteen fourteen in the Amplified Bible, the Bible talks about the, the Holy Ghost as being the paraclete, meaning the comforter. He comforts us, our helper, our standby, our intercessor, our advocate, all those names for the Holy Spirit. Not once will we ever find in the scripture where the Holy Spirit is called the condemner of the believer. But once again, because of being improperly taught, many times we think that the Holy Ghost is the one who is condemning us when we do wrong. Or if we feel guilty or sin conscious or condemnation or guilt and all that, it's the Holy Ghost's 
Holy Ghost activity with an all, and it's not. The Bible here says, if our heart condemn us, it is our own recreated human spirit that condemns us when we do wrong. Let's, let me put it like this. It sounds bad, but it's not bad. If you have a pain in your physical body, if I have a pain in my physical body, what is that pain doing? It is indicating to me. It's an indicator. It is telling me that there is a problem with the body. So in that sense, the pain is good because it's telling me something. It tells me there's a problem. Something is wrong with your physical body and you need to do something about it. Don't ignore it. We can go off and say, I'm going to ignore that and just go ahead and ignore it if we want to. But if we continue to ignore it, the the problem can get bigger and bigger and bigger and worse and worse. And we know that. So pain in that sense then is good because it indicates to us that there is a problem within our physical body. Well, condemnation then in that respect is good in the life of the child of God. You know why? It indicates to all of us that something is wrong with us spiritually. It is a spiritual indicator built within the heart. The recreated human spirit that lets us know when we are experiencing a spiritual problem. Something is wrong. On a positive note, let me say it this way. When I was being lax, I was not filling out my application to attend Rama Bible Training Center. On the inside of me, I began to feel ugly. As I believe you have a period of time that God gives you before you can begin to really step out there in obedience. I believe we should do it quickly. Okay, we should respond immediately. But I'm kind of slow. I just stay behind God. I don't want to get out ahead of God. And so I just hold back. And sometimes I hold back too long. And when I do that, something begins to happen on the inside of my spirit. And that began to take place inside my spirit. I had this guilt on the inside of me. I had this like condemnation on the inside of me. I knew that something was wrong between myself, me and God. I knew something was wrong. And I began then to focus in on my spiritual condition. Sometimes you'll hear messages preached out there and people will think, well, you're just condemning me or accusing me. When in reality, if there's guilt and condemnation sometimes, you know, condemnation or conviction that comes to our, to us from our inward spirit, our men on the inside, it is because it's indicating to us that there's a problem in this area of our lives. And we can't just dismiss that like you can't dismiss that pain. If that pain is there, it's genuine. You've got to do something about it. Okay. When I sensed that something was wrong in my spiritual condition, in my heart, I was not responding to the tug of the Spirit of God. Then it made me aware of the fact that I was missing it. And the moment I signed, filled out the application and signed and sent that thing in, that whole thing left me. And I knew that everything was right, you know, between me and God on the inside. I knew that. It was an indicator. And see, once again, these things can be distinct or they can be indistinct based on what we feed into our recreated human spirit. And also based on our teaching, based on what we do or do not know about spiritual truths. If we feed the right input and information into the spirit man, then it will respond properly to produce these things. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart 
that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.